Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it's glad that you are here. Um, happy Fourth of July. Uh, my name is John, and I serve as one of the pastors here. Um, and we are finishing up a series, um, just as um, Shane mentioned, um, on generosity. It's um, called Guilt or Grace. And I know for those of you um, watching online, um, you weren't able to, to see that video, but we got to hear from one of our missionaries and um, just uh, encouraging us um, to uh, continue to ask God, what is it that you um, would have us give? How can we continue to be? Um, generous. And um, we hope that throughout this series um, that it has been encouraging for you, that, that maybe you have begun to look at maybe the church and money in, in a different light. And um, the reason we wanted to show you um, that video and the reason we showed you the first week, the video of all the, uh, the pastors of the other Connection churches, so you can get a visual of um, where your money is going, because it's going to things like that. It's going to people like that that are going to take the gospel um, to different places. And that's something that really we really believe is important to um, invest in. And so when we were trying to figure out um, uh, or we're getting ready to go into this series, um, some of our elders and some of our staff got together and we really wanted to pray and we really wanted to look through scripture to, to be sure if we're going to encourage the church in this, that we want to be sure that we are, we are telling them what's in the Bible and not telling them what's not in the Bible. We wanted to be very sure that we were accurate with these things. And so we spent a, a couple months really um, praying and, and discerning and looking through um, what is best. And so through that, uh, we identified um, five statements that um, for us, we feel like um, guide us as a church. They would almost be kind of, uh, I guess, the core values of generosity for Connection Church. And um, throughout this series, we've hit on each one of those. And so uh, maybe you haven't been here for the whole series. So I'm going to walk through and, and recap uh, what each one of those statements are, because I think it's going to give us a fuller picture and understanding of uh, why we believe the things that we do um, here at this church. And so the, the first statement that we, first, that we looked at in that first week was this. It's going to be up on the screen in case you want to write these things down, um, but it's that God's vision is worth our investment. God's vision is worth our investment. And his vision, just as Shane mentioned, is to fill the earth with his glory, right? To see the gospel go out, to see disciples made in this world, and that we believe that that vision, to see that happen, that is worth our investment. But boy, do we see the value of that? Do we see the importance of that? I remember a couple of years ago, um, I was renovating a house. And for the first time, um, I, I went and I purchased like the really good paint. Um, normally when I do projects, I'm like, I'll just get the, the, the cheap stuff. You know, what paint's paint, right? What's the difference, right? And it wasn't until I used that good paint that I realized the difference of when you get good quality paint, it allows you to only have to do something once, right? Instead of having to do three or four coats, right? You can do one coat. And I realized in using this, I saw the, the importance, the, the worth of the value of good paint. So now I understand why it is worth the investment. Oftentimes we don't invest in something until we recognize that it's worth it. That many times that we've actually experienced it for ourselves. When you've experienced Jesus and maybe some of that has happened through this church, right? Through your time here, you've experienced it. And so now you see, wow, this is worth it. This is worth my investment because I realize what it has given me. The second statement is this, that giving our first grows our faith. Giving our first grows our faith. First Corinthians chapter 16 says, you know, Paul's encouraging the people to set aside at the start of the week what it is that they would give. That he's saying, I want you to start off your week already looking and deciding what you wanted to give. It's this idea that we see in the Old Testament of, of giving your first fruits, right? Setting aside for God in the very, very beginning what you would have to give to him. I think about, you know, when you're at a, a function that maybe your spouse or your child or somebody couldn't come with you and oftentimes you, maybe you're getting ready to eat and, you know, a, a big pot letter, 
potluck or something and you set a plate of food to the side to take home, right? You wanna make sure that not everything gets eaten so you have something to take home, right? You're wanting to set it aside because you're giving it some more importance because you wanna make sure nothing else gets taken for that. And this, and this is kind of the same thing is we don't wanna give God our leftovers. Is what does it look like for us to give him our first? And when we do that, it requires us to trust him with the rest. This aligns our priorities and allows us to really just focus first on what God is calling us to. The third statement is, everything I have is God's to give. Everything I have is God's to give. What we mean by that is we mean that everything that we own, all of it is God's to begin with, right? It's not even ours to begin with. That Psalm says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The book of Job says that everything under heaven belongs to God. 1 Corinthians says that we were bought with the price, right? When we're bought with the price, that means that we are now the Lord's. That includes our stuff. That includes our money. And here's the thing is that God then entrusts us with things, right? We are to be stewards of the things that God entrusts to us. And the way I kind of think about that is I think about, you know, our, our kids, for example, right? I have two little girls and, and as, 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 as they're my children, right? Like obviously, like me and my wife, like they're, they're, they're ours, but like ultimately they're children of the Lord. Ultimately they are God's. God is just giving them and entrusting them to us to raise them, to, to know him, to raise them and to take care of them, right? He's entrusting them to us. But ultimately I know that they are children of God, right? Ultimately they are his. And so I wanna do a good job of stewarding them well. I think about, you know, I've got a financial advisor that works with me on, um, on retirement. You know, I wanna make sure that uh, when I'm not able to work anymore that I can still eat, you know, I can still provide for myself. And so I work with this, um, this financial advisor to help me with those things. And so I give him money to say, hey, I want you to steward this well. I wanna make sure that I have something, you know, when I'm getting ready to um, retire. But if I went to my financial advisor and said, hey, I, I kinda wanna do this with this money and this with that money. And, and they looked at me and they just said, no, I think I'm just gonna, you know, take this for myself. I'd be like, um, no, like this is, this is my money. I entrusted you with it, but ultimately this was mine. Like in essence, like we're financial advisors for God, right? And I, I don't follow that metaphor too far. I'm not saying that God is our client or anything like that, but like he's entrusting us and he's saying, I want you to be a good steward with this. And there's going to be times that I'm going to work with you to try to figure out how can we best use this money. And I want you to participate in that. I want you to be a part of that. But we understanding that ultimately everything is his to begin with. The fourth statement is we give because God gave. We give because God gave, right? When we look at what God gave to us, the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ who came to forgive us of our sins, to restore that relationship back with God, that our response is that in light of what you have done for us, God, that I'm going to give back in response to that. Last week when Buck was preaching, he was talking about that. And he was talking about um, this, this, this idea that the reason we give is because of what God has, get, has done for us. And so he just went through and unpacked the gospel, unpacked what Jesus did for us. And in that service, on a, on a message that was about money, there was two people that said yes to Jesus. and said, yeah, I want to have that thing that you're talking about, that thing that God gave to us, that man, I desire that. And I realize you're having a message talking about money, but, and I see the goodness of Jesus and, and I, I want that. 
And how incredible is it that we saw that take place? And it goes back to that first statement that God's vision is worth our investment. The reason we invest is because two people's eternity was forever changed last week. And so that's worth us investing in. That's worth us participating in because, again, we're doing this in response to what God has done for us. One of the things Buck said is he said, what does it look like if it switched from us looking at giving as a have to to a get to? And maybe you've heard that phrase before. Maybe that phrase has even become almost cliche, but he took it one step further and he says, what if it went from have to to get to to want to? That you ultimately, you desire to give. You're looking for opportunities to give. He looked at the, the Macedonians and how they were pleading with Paul. Paul, please let us give. We want to give. Because of what God has done for us, we want other people to experience this. And so we're going to look for opportunities to be able to share this with other people. We just want to participate in what it is that you are doing. And this brings us to our fifth statement of what we're going to be talking about today is that our giving is spirit-led, not law-driven. Our giving is spirit-led, not law-driven. I really believe this is the key. This kind of sums everything up. And I want to read, reread what Shane talked about in the video. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let's pray. Father, we just love you, God. We're so thankful for you. Thank you, thankful for the time we've already had um, together, um, God, in worship, the time we had together in prayer for our nation. And God, just pray that we, um, continue to have that, that heart and that focus and that reminder that all men are created equal and that, God, we will see people the way that you see people, God. We pray this morning as we um, unpack um, this last statement that, God, you reveal to us, you speak to us what it is that you would have for us, that, God, um, we can listen to your spirit and be guided by him. So, God, speak to us this morning. God, we love you and we praise you. And we lift all this up in your son's name. Amen. Now, again, I, I really believe this last statement, this idea that our giving is, should be spirit-led and not law-driven, is this just kind of brings everything together. And I, I think that it explains the New Testament's, um, I guess, presentation of generosity, of what ultimately generosity should look like. But here's what I know. I know that many of us, right, we just want the bottom line, right? We just want to be told, all right, just tell me, what should I give? Just tell me the amount of money I should give. Like, tell me what to do. I'll do it. Like, just, just be clear with me. I just, I just want to know what it is. And see, one of the things that um, maybe um, you've, you've noticed is that uh, we haven't really talked about something throughout this series that you would probably expect us to have talked about. It might have been referenced, but really it hasn't been something we've really addressed too much. And that's the tithe, right? It hasn't really been something that we've looked at um, at all. And you would expect if a church is talking about a series on generosity, wouldn't the tithe be like the first thing that you would address, the first thing you would talk about? Because that's our, our way of saying what you should give, Right? So what is the tithe? Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're not familiar with this. This is a, a Old Testament principle that basically the Jewish people were commanded by God to give God, a tithe basically means 10%, right? To give everything that they were given, to give back 10% to God. 
And actually that number might've been a little bit more than that because there were actually more than one tithe. And so it was actually a, probably a little bit higher a percentage, but it was something that was, it was a law, it was a command to them to be able to do this. But as I mentioned, this was something that we find in the Old Testament, but it's not necessarily something that we see in the New Testament. Now, some people, they, they, they look to, to Matthew 23 or um, Luke 11. Those are a couple different times that Jesus kind of um, referred to the tithe. But even in that, he used it more as an illustration and less of a command. Nowhere else throughout the New Testament do you see the, the tithe really even addressed. And there's so many different times that generosity and that giving is talked about, but the tithe is never really associated with that. Now, I do believe that there's th there can be things in the Old Testament that are good principles, right? That just because it was in the Old Testament doesn't mean it's a, a bad thing. I think the, the tithe in and of itself, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but we don't see it as a command or as a law. And I think the reason that is is because I believe that the New Testament is wanting to show us something bigger than that, show us something deeper than that. So why do people like the tithe, right? There's some people that they, they kind of like the tithe and the reason is because it tells them what to do. It tells them, here's very clearly what you should do. I think sometimes following a law can, e can be a little bit easier than being spirit led, right? Because when we're spirit led, it requires us to actually seek the Lord on specifically what would you have of me as an individual? Now, I'm not saying easier as in it's easier to follow the law because people tried to follow the law for thousands of years and could never do it. But I'm saying it's easier in that it, it doesn't require us to have to actually dig in and figure out what is it that the Lord would have us give. We just, just tell me what to do, right? And I think oftentimes that in the areas of our lives that we don't really want to be spirit-led, we would prefer the law. We would prefer just to be told what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do that. And I don't know if that's necessarily the right heart to, to approach things with. There's other people on the other side of the field that say they look at the tithe and they say, well, that's just an Old Testament thing. You know, that's not required in the New Testament, so I don't have to give. You know, I, I don't know if that's the best heart either, because a lot of times it stops there. It's like, well, it's not a New Testament thing, so I'm not really going to address it anymore. And what I see in, in people like that is I feel like that we're not asking the question, well, what does God desire? You know, what is the thing that he would ask of me? What if God was actually asking for more, right? And am I willing to entertain that? And am I willing to look at that? But regardless of what side people are on, at the end of the day, what we see in the New Testament is not about the money. It's about our hearts. Ultimately, that is what we're trying to grow in is, is who has our heart. Does it do, that, do our hearts reflect compassion? Are our hearts moved by what God is doing all around us? Do we want to be a part of what God's doing all, apart, all around us? Do we realize that we are a part of what God is doing all around us? It's one of the things that I tell my guest services team all the time, right? the people that serve out in the atrium and the, um, the outdoors is to say that when people, like the two people that, that raised their hands for salvation last week, that you're a part of that, right? When you serve out there, and because it's not just the person up here that is allowing, is, is the only one responsible for that person coming to faith, that we all have a role in that because we all are pointing people to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is using different situations and different interactions to reveal his goodness to people. And so when people respond that all of us in the body of Christ, as God is using each one of us, we're a part of that. And I want you to see that you're a part of that. So how, how can we look at this correctly? What does it actually mean to be spirit-led? 
I remember when I was in college, um, I was part of the Wesley Foundation um, here at Georgia Southern. And um, there was one year that we decided to go out on campus and go invite people uh, to Wesley. And so we wanted to go up to them and kind of tell them what it was and tell them when we met. And so we started doing this, a group of us did. Um, and I, me and some of the others, we started noticing my friend Eric, um, whenever he was going up to people, we realized every person he went up to just so happened to be a very attractive female. And we're like, huh. And so we just kind of started laughing. And finally, we kind of asked him to come over. He's like, hey, Eric, and, you know, come on over here. We're like, man, we're just struggling to try to figure out, you know, how do you decide who to go up to? You know, what, what have you been thinking about with that? He said, well, you know, I've just really been trying to just be led by the Spirit. And we were like, I don't know if that's what's leading you, you know? And so obviously that's not being Spirit-led. So what does it mean to be Spirit-led, right? In the book of Galatians in chapter 5, verse 18 says that, but if you are led by the Spirit you are not under the law, right? This kind of going back to that verse in 2 Corinthians about not being under compulsion, right? We're not required to do something, but we're seeing, God, what is it that you would have me do? Not because I'm required to do, but because I'm motivated and I'm stirred to do this. Verse 25 of chapter five of Galatians says that since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. So what does it mean to be in step with the Spirit? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? The first thing that I think that means is that it means that our heart is overflowing with thanksgiving in Jesus, right? That we are, keep our eyes focused on what Jesus did for us and that constantly we are overwhelmed with the love of Jesus. And so we are so in line with the Spirit because we're constantly being reminded of what God has done for us. Being spirit-led means that we are actively listening, right? We're listening for the spirit. As we're praying, we're saying, God, speak to me. Reveal to me what it is you desire for me. God, when we're in, our, our, in the Bible and we're reading through scripture, we're going, God, speak to me. God, I want you to reveal something to me. When we're talking to, to others and we're in connectors, we're actively listening. God, are you revealing anything to me that I need to be led in? When we're spirit-led, it means that we're eager and we're excited to give. Just like those Macedonians that Buck talked about last week is that they were pleading with Paul, said they were looking for opportunities because of what has happened to us. I'm eager to, to engage in this and to participate in this. We're looking for places to give. Being spirit-led is something that has to happen each and every day, right? It's not just something we do once. It's a continual process of seeking the Lord. And I would say, if there's moments that you go, I just don't know if the, the Spirit is leading me in, it, in anything, I would ask you to go back and ask those questions. Is my heart overflowing with thanksgiving in Jesus? Am I actively listening and, and being on the lookout for what God is calling me to? Am I eager? Am I excited? Am I looking for opportunities to engage in God's mission? Am I choosing each and every day to, to do these things? Because I can promise you, if, if we're doing each one of those things, Jesus is going to lead us to the person, to the thing, to the, um, to the organization that we could engage with, we could participate with. Like, I can promise you he's going to do that. So practically, how do we actually figure this out for us as individuals? How do we discern and understand what that looks like for what we are supposed to give? And when I was thinking about this, I was trying to think about how do we kind of wrap our minds around this? And I thought back to uh, when I was getting ready to propose to Natalie, my wife. We've been married about nine years now. Um, and I remember going to pick out the ring. I got the ring up at the Shane Company up in Kennesaw, Georgia. And I literally sat there in that store for about six or seven hours trying to figure out 
what's the best ring, right? And, and obviously there's, there's kind of a standard out there. Some people say three months salary that you should spend on it. Some people say something else. And so there's kind of a, a framework. So I had an idea going in of kind of the, the ballpark that I wanted to be in, but really beyond that, like I didn't have much else to give. And so I just kind of told them this is kind of that area. And they showed me literally every diamond, every ring that they had available. And I just kind of looked at all of them and trying to figure out what's going to be the best one. And I finally had it narrowed down to two different diamonds and two different rings. One was a little bit nicer of a diamond. And one was still a nice diamond, just not quite as nice. And same thing with the rings. And I was trying to figure out what scenario should I do? Should I do the nicer diamond and maybe that not as nice ring? And should I do the nicer ring and not as nice diamond? I was kind of trying to play the numbers, trying to figure out what's best. And I just had a hard time trying to figure it out. And I finally settled on, I'm going to do the nicer diamond, right? And maybe the not as nice ring. Still a great ring, still a good ring, but felt like that was a good, um, good, good, I guess, balance, good way to, to settle at it. And so I said, yeah, this is going to be the one. Let's do it. And so um, get it and go on home. And that whole night, I couldn't sleep. I could not sleep the entire night because here's what I thought. I thought, I don't want to live the rest of my life knowing I could have gotten her something better and I didn't, right? Because this was going to be my bride. This was going to be my wife. And there was something about that ring that just had a sparkle to it. And I knew it. But here's the thing, that little bit more, that was going to stretch me just a little bit. I was a little uncomfortable with that amount, but I'm like, I can't live knowing that I could have given you something better. I want you to know that I'm giving you my best. Here's the reality. I wasn't trying to buy Natalie's love, right? But I knew there was a best that I could give her. And I wanted this ring to reflect my overwhelming love for her. There was more expensive rings. There was less expensive rings. Obviously there was, there was plenty more to choose from. But for me, there was something that I knew what was the best. And it was, and many of you, when you've gotten your wedding rings, right? Many of you men that have, have looked at them, you realize there was a moment that you're like, that's the one. That you, there was something in you that knew that. But the, ultimately the reason you pit that is that you wanted to celebrate and honor your bride. Excuse me. Wow. Your bride. I think about the... Um, about Mary and when she anointed Jesus with the oil in the book of John. You don't necessarily have to turn that off, have it up on the screen, but it says this in chapter 12. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, did, um, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Mary, Martha served while Lazarus was among them, reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And then the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was a worth of years' wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And keeper of the money bag, he used to keep himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save the perfume for this day for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. We saw this was a moment that Mary wanted to honor her Lord. She wanted to honor her Savior. It, does Jesus care about the poor? Obviously, absolutely. We know that Jesus does this, but this is a moment that she was taking this opportunity to say, I want to give you my best. And even if it means that I'm having to sacrifice you deserve my best. How, how can we apply those same principles in our own life when we examine, God, what is it that you're calling me to? Because we are able to, to listen to the Spirit and be guided by the Spirit of what it is that he would have us give. 
I was thinking about, so what is it that motivates us as people, right? What's the, what's the compelling why for us as individuals that's going to motivate somebody that's maybe never given before or motivate somebody that's given for a long time, but it reminds them of why they give to the first place. And one of the things that I recognize is people want to know what they're investing in, right? When we give our money to something, we want to know where that money is going. It's one of the reasons we've shown these videos to you of, of Shane and, the, and the, the pastors of these connection churches. So you can get a visual. This is where your money's going, I remember having a conversation with my dad one time and we were talking about um, the staff at the church and he was just like, you know, what is it that the staff does? You know, I know y'all work on Sundays, but what do y'all do all week long? You know, and he just had never really thought about it. And so I started going employee by employee and explaining what each one of them did. And he's like, ah, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't think about all that has to go into accomplishing, you know, the things that y'all accomplish. Ultimately, our staff were set up to um, have some staff that are focused on connecting people. And there's some staff that are focused on equipping people. And there's some staff that are focused on sending people, right? We try to, to staff around our mission as a church, and that's how we're, we're guided. And we want you to know that that's kind of what we're here to do, what we're here to accomplish. But there's other things that, as you give here, um, that you're giving to, whether it's those, the missionaries or church plants. Um, think about the curriculum that we use over in Connection Kids. It's called Orange, and we're provided with all the content, all the videos, the, um, the Parent Q app, the parents have access to, all these different things that we put in these kids' hands so we can teach the gospel effectively to children. It's something that we want to invest in. It's something when you give, it's allowing us to provide an incredible curriculum. VBS, we just did that a couple weeks ago, having 300 kids here, right? We had to feed them each and every night, right? We had to do crafts for 300 kids. We had to do things that helped explain the gospel on their level. And you allowed us to be able to do that. Right Now Media, it's a service that we provide to every single person that's part of this church to give you access to Bible studies and video content from pastors all over the world so that you can be equipped in your faith, right? It's free to you, but it costs something, right? There's something that we have to pay for that service. And so when you give, it allows us to, to be a part of that. The resources that we give to our leaders to try to train them up in things, are things that you're investing in. There's background checks that we have to do for our student and our kid volunteers, right? Because we want to create a safe environment for our kids. That's something that is worth us investing in, right? It's a pretty important thing that we need to spend money on. The microphones that this worship team sing from, right? When we're in a room this size, you need to amplify voices in order for everybody to hear. There's just practical things that need to be done. There's other administrative things. There's power bills. There's the, the water bill. There's website fees. There's bank fees. There's all these other things that do go into it. Obviously, there is some administrative stuff, but ultimately, like, there's things that we want you to see that the reason we're doing this, these things and the reason we're spending money on these things is that until every person knows the name of Jesus, we're gonna do all we can to try to allow that to happen. And here's what I want you to know. Here's the promise that I want you to understand is how serious we take that responsibility to steward what has been given to us to the best of our ability. There was kind of a joke amongst our staff and elders the past, or the couple months ago, um, because I'm kind of known as, uh, I don't really like to spend money. I'm a little bit frugal. Um, I like to kind of um, work around things and it's just, um, I think it's a good trait. Other people think it's an inconvenience, but whatever. Um, but I needed a new office chair. My office chair literally was falling apart. There was pieces of leather just kind of falling all over the place. And so um, I needed a new office chair, but um, rather than do what normal people would do where they'd put in the PO and say, hey, I knew, need a new office chair. I was like, I just didn't um, feel like I wanted to, to spend the money on that. And so there's a shed that's right over 
over here on our property. And in it has um, basically everything we've collected over the past 12 years as a church. Most people would look at the stuff that's in that shed and, and say that it's trash. I look at it and say it's Facebook Marketplace treasure, right? There's always somebody that wants to buy something, right? So I just started taking pictures of things and posting them on Facebook Marketplace. And sure enough, people wanted to buy stuff, right? And so I ended up making enough money that I could go to Office Max and I could buy myself a new chair to be able to sit in, right? And here's the thing I want you to understand, right? Nothing makes me more special about that. Like, I'm not saying that as if you're a staff member here and you need a new chair, like, we'll get you a new chair. There's nothing wrong about that. It doesn't make me better. For me, it was a, this was just something between me and the Lord where there was something I needed to be reminded of that my comfort needs to come second. That I need to know that everything we have here as a church is because of the sacrifice of other people. And just for me in that moment, I was like, I didn't want them to have to buy me a new chair, right? I didn't want that burden on you because I want that... I just needed to be reminded of that. I don't take it lightly that the fact that the reason I can feed my children is because of the sacrifice that many of y'all make in giving. The reason that we have budgets to be able to spend on stuff is because of the sacrifice that each one of you that give make. That's not lost on me. That's something I take very, very serious. And I would encourage all of our staff that's in this room is that we need to be reminded often that the reason we have jobs, the reason that we're able to steward the things that we have is because of the sacrifice of others. And because of your sacrifice, it encourages me. This I'm like, if they're willing to sacrifice, then man, I need to be willing to sacrifice also. It's an encouragement for me to be able to do the same. And we take the responsibility to steward what you have entrusted with us very, very well. And the goal every single time is for us to use this money to connect and equip and to send God's people to the best of our ability. We're not perfect at it. We make mistakes, but we try our hardest to be spirit-led, to be guided by God and based off of our community and our culture and our people and the best ways that people respond to the gospel, we're gonna to try to use our resources effectively. And we want you to trust us in those things. We hope that you will trust us in those things because again, we take it very, very serious. I was having a conversation with Austin. He's one of our latest hires. He works in our equipping area. And he said that the church he used to go to, they, whenever they talk about giving, he says, we say it like this. We say, well, you're not giving to the church. And we want you to think that you're giving through the church. And I thought that was an interesting way of putting it. And it changed my perspective is that I don't want you all thinking, oh, you're just giving to connections. That when you give here, we're looking at that giving and saying, how can we now utilize this to go through and to go back into people, right? Because ultimately we want to see God's vision, God's vision of, of seeing this earth filled with his glory, of seeing more people come to know him. What can, how can we utilize each one of these things to funnel it back out and to seeing people grow in their relationship with Jesus? And our hope is that you would look at it in that same way. So some practical things that maybe you have asked, that maybe you've wondered throughout this series, just general questions is, what about the question is, is investing wrong? Is that a bad thing? Should I not do that? We see in, in the book of Proverbs that um, it says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, right? Jesus in the parable of the talents that um, that the, the one that was given five talents who turned it into 10 was kind of rewarded. So the, obviously there's, there's different elements of how it's in, um, that we see that scripture does talk about investing as being a good thing. But we also see in the book of James where it talks about hoarding our wealth, about living in luxury and self-indulgence. And so we're guarded against that. And I believe that line between 
Investing and hoarding is one that we have to, to balance a little bit. That yes, I want to set myself up when I'm not able to work anymore. I want to be able to eat. I still want to be able to provide for myself. But if God is calling me to something, I don't want to look at my investments as something like this. That if God is calling me to be generous in these things, am I willing to do that? Should I get out of debt before I begin giving? Right? I've got a lot of bills, right? It's, it's smarter for me to, to pay off these things before I can actually give effectively, right? Is debt because we see that in scripture that um, debt's not something we want to try to um, enter into because when we're in debt, we're, we're paying more money to the lender. It says that we're, we're a slave to that, that thing, right? And so what should we do with that? And I heard a pastor say this. He said, when your body is battling an infection, right? It sends a lot of energy and resources to attack that infection, but it doesn't send all of them, right? There are some resources and energy that are still reserved for normal bodily function. It's kind of the same way. When we have debt, we need to assign a lot of resources and energy to that, but we don't give everything to that. There's some things that we still reserve for everyday things. We don't stop eating whenever we are in debt. And the thing I would encourage you is that if you're able to give when you have a little, it's gonna help you when you have a lot. Set up that, that habit of giving even when you have a little. Maybe it's a very small amount, but you're like, you know what? I'm gonna get in the habit now of doing this. Is it wrong to have nice things? Is it wrong to be rich, right? Maybe you've asked yourself that. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul addresses this and he says in verse 17, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We see that we're not looking at it and saying, how dare you be rich? It's just those who are, right? How can you utilize this to the best of your ability? How can you be generous and willing to share? Because really in America, us compared to the rest of the world, we would all be defined as rich. And that's, I don't say that to belittle anybody's struggle or what they're dealing with, but we all are rich. And so how can we look at ourselves in this same light? The reason there's so many other scriptures that talk about the rich is that sometimes it's being a struggle to stay honoring to God is because when we have a lot of money, then our focus sometimes becomes about that. And so we have to be a little bit more guarded with that. But we also, when we have a lot of money, it opens the door for us to be able to do things and to be used by God in ways that we never thought imaginable. The flip side of that, should I just give everything away? Should I live on rice and beans? Should I take cold showers so I can leverage everything to the gospel? And what I realize is that that line, um, in response to what Jesus has done for us, there's never enough that we could give up to try to repay that or to try to, to give enough in response to that. And here's the thing is that, it's just like that ring example, right? There was less expensive rings and there was more expensive rings. It wasn't about that. It was about what is God calling me to, right? What is the thing that he's calling me to? And I think maybe there's, um, as we kind of finish this, this up, um, we'll go a little bit over today, but we're providing lunch for you, so it's all right. So here's what I say. I'd say there's probably about three groups of people in here. There's some that maybe you're faithful tithers. And again, I talked about that. The tithe, it's, it's a good principle, right? And maybe you've been doing this for a very long time, but maybe it's become kind of a ritual. It's just become something that just happens. And maybe it's even out of sight, out of mind. You don't really even think about it. And the thing that I would challenge you in is that return to it being an act of worship. 
have times where you pray and you say, God, thank you so much for allowing me to be consistent in my giving. And let it be something that's not a ritual. Let it be something that's not just a, I'm doing this because I feel like I have to, but I want to do this. God, thank you for allowing me to do this. And God, I'm going to continue to seek me, to, to, to continue to seek you to figure out what is it that you would have me give. Not based off of what I feel like I'm supposed to, but God, what are you calling me to? And I'd encourage you, let it be an act of worship. The second group, maybe you're the, the group that you've never given before. Maybe you haven't given in a really long time. The thing I would encourage you in is start somewhere, right? Start somewhere. Maybe you're looking and you're like, I just, you don't understand my situation. You don't understand the amount of bills I have or these different things that I have going on. It's really difficult for me to do this. And I thought about a story that we've shared here before. When we were first starting this church, we did a service project. We went out to this lady's house who had a hole in her roof and her just, um, literally it was just all in disarray. Water was coming in whenever it would rain. And so we ended up putting up um, a new roof on this house. We had filled up like five or six dumpsters full of just trash and debris. And this, this lady, she was just so overwhelmed. And that Sunday she came and she said, all week long, I've been going around my house looking for pennies. And she rolled pennies. And she said, I want to give my offering. I could never repay what y'all did, but you know what? I want to give something. And it, it wrecked us, right? To see this, this act of generosity. That morning, Brandon came into his office and those rolled pennies were just sitting on his desk. And then there was an envelope that was addressed to him that just says, Brandon, thank you for what you're doing. We just pray that God could continue to work through Connection Church. And he opens it up and says, check for $50,000. And he's sitting here looking at this check of $50,000 and these rolled pennies. Which one was more generous? Many of you would say, oh, they're old pennies, rolled pennies, rolled pennies. I know the answer, right? But here's the reality. Both of them, both of them were extremely generous. And the reason is because each person said, God, what would you have me give? What am I able to give? God, I want to give you my best. And we saw that take place. The last group of people is maybe it's the ones that, you know, when you Come to church, you'll, you'll drop something in, in the plate. Well, we don't have plates here. You'll drop something in the, the bins in the back. And you kind of just give. And it, it kind of seems almost like the way you tip a server at the end of a meal. And the thing I would encourage you, and, it, and let, me, let me pause. I don't know your heart, all right? And I don't, I don't want to assume that I know your heart. And so forgive me if, if I alluded to something there. I, I don't know what that is. I would just challenge us is that don't allow your giving just to be something you do because you're at church and you feel like I'm supposed to do this. I would encourage you, let this be a response in what God's done in you. Maybe it's something that, are you calling to me to, to do this more consistently? Are you calling me to do something more than this? Why is it you are having me give, God? That Again, I'm not doing this because I feel like I have to or, or out of compulsion or feel like that I would feel bad if I don't do this, but I want to do this as a response and an act of worship. Maybe there is, a, there is a fourth group of people in this room that you are giving and it's an act of worship and it's a thing that I would encourage you continue to do that, continue to pray. God, never let this become something that is just a transaction. Let this always be something that I lean into, that I want to, that is a, 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 a moment of worship that I have where I get to surrender and trust God with my first. Why do we even talk about generosity? Why is this something we encourage you in? As a church, we have these things that we refer to as four cultures, the culture of evangelism and of serving and community and generosity. And what we believe a culture to be is a culture is something that we should be known for. A culture is something that we should be growing in. I think about um, Chick-fil-A, all right? Perfect example of, of a strong culture, right? They have a strong culture of hospitality, of how they serve their guests. They're known for that, aren't they? 
But the reason they're known for that is they look for ways to grow in that. They look for ways, how can we continue to impress our guests? The early church were known for their generosity. It's as for us as a church, we want to be known for our generosity, but we also want to grow in our generosity. We want to continue to look for ways that we can grow in this. We continue to be used more and more by God in this area in the same way that we have that same feeling about serving, that same feeling about community, that same feeling about evangelism, that we are known for these, but we are also growing in these things. In church, we have an area to grow in this area. Again, we're not saying this because we want something from you. Or like Brandon talked about, it's not because we need to keep the bills on. God's, God has provided for us since the very beginning. He's going to continue to provide for us. But it's about what is it that God would have for you because he desires for you to be generous because it allows our focus not to be on our money, but on the Lord. As a church, again, we've got room to grow in these things. And so my challenge is, Look back at these five statements that we've talked about throughout this series. Wrestle with them. These are the things that we as a church, we believe in these things. We believe these things come from Scripture. We believe these things should be things as as Christians we should engage with. And we hope that if your heart and soul here, you're part of this church, that you too would believe in these things and you would be guided by these things. If not, if you disagree with these things, I would ask you, Why? What is it in Scripture that you see that's different? And I don't have a problem you investigating that. If you're struggling with these things and you're trying to think through them, look at Scripture. Figure out what it says. If you come to something different, great. right? But I want you to seek that and figure out what it is because as we sought it, these are the things that we feel like are pretty important. And it's it's the reasons we are motivated and the ways that we are motivated. But here's the reality, that whether we give or not, God's going to accomplish his mission. Right? He's going to carry it out whether we give or not. But are we going to be a part of it? Are we going to choose to be a part of what God's doing? Do we want to be used by God in this aspect of generosity? Okay? And so I would ask you to pray, to seek God. God, what is it you would have me give? Where should I give? What should that look like? How can I discern what is best for me? And I pray and I hope that you'll do that today and this next week and, and forever, that you'll continue to take times so that we don't give because we feel like we have to, but because we want to. And we're looking for opportunities to be a part of God's mission. The way I want to end our time today um, is a bit sad, but it's also exciting. I want to ask um, Ryan and Lindsay Callahan um, to come out on stage. Um, These um, two are um, people that have been on staff here at this church um, for a while. There they are. A happy couple. Um, Ryan's been here um, probably almost six years now. Ryan almost, or Lindsay is your name. Um, Lindsay almost about three years. Um, they both served as interns. They, uh, when they were in college, they um, were here as volunteers. Um, in fact, uh, like eight years ago, when I was doing student ministry here, they were actually my worship leaders for that student ministry. And we actually have a video of them leading worship. I'm just kidding. We don't have this. The reason this is funny is they hate this video because it's like their most embarrassing moment um, leading worship ever. And I just kind of hold on to it. And just anytime I want to point it out, um, they love it. Actually, they, they hate it. I love it. I think it's great. But we don't have that video. But here's the thing I want y'all to to know about um, these two individuals is um, how incredibly talented they are. Um, I have, um, yeah. 
Um, the reason that um, the songs that we do sound as good as they do, the reason that um, we could compare them to um, anything that Nashville puts out is because of how talented Ryan is. The reason that we um, have things presented in a way that are honoring to the Lord is because of the gift sets the Lord has given um, this guy. The reason um, that our graphics and our social media and everything that we put out there that y'all visually see um, is so appealing and so good to look at and it just draws people in is because of the talents of Lindsay and, and how gifted she is as an artist. But here's the thing I want you to know. As talented as they are, and they are. Their hearts for the Lord is the thing that I would champion more than anything else. These people love Jesus, and these people put Jesus first. They listen to God and do what he says, and they came to a point where they said, you know what? Our time in vocational ministry, God, we just feel like maybe it's coming to an end, that maybe for us that we just feel like maybe we're not called to work in a ministry, and so they made the decision that if we're not called to this, we don't wanna just work it as a job. We want this to be something that we wanna figure out what it is that we are called to. And so they're listening to the Lord and saying, God, so where is it that you would have us? They'll always be involved in ministry. They'll always be involved in churches because I just know their, their hearts. But right now they wanna take a step back from vocational ministry, have a time of, of rest. And that's what I would like us as a church to pray for them, is to pray for rest, is to pray for focus, is to pray for clarity. God, what is it that you would have for us? I cannot, I cannot tell y'all what they mean to me. I'm gonna miss them terribly. I can't, I really can't tell you how much I'm gonna miss them. And I don't wanna talk about it anymore because I'll start crying. Um, I love these people. Um, they, um, so much of wh where we're at as a church is because of um, all that they've given. Um, thank y'all so, so much. Um, they're gonna take some time, um, but they'll still be around a little bit. Um, I might even try to get Ryan to come uh, do some guest services with me. We'll see if that happens or not. Um, but if you will, um, can we pray for them? And um, then Jordan's gonna come out and he's gonna give us some details of um, what we need to do to eat some food. And we'll do that and have a good time. So Father, God, we're so thankful for today. God, right now, uh, we come to you with thanksgiving over the Callahans, over how you've used them in ministry, God, how you've used them to help this church grow, to help this church connect people and equip people and send people. And God, that you have gifted them so incredibly. But God, as thankful as I am for the gifts that you've given them, God, I am more thankful for the hearts that you have given them, hearts that love you and that wanna be obedient to you, hearts that when they express their love for you, that God, it encourages those that are around them. God, I pray that you give them clarity of what it is that you are calling them to next. God, I pray that you give them rest, that God, you allow them to be filled again and to feel like they have energy and to feel like they can tackle anything because of your spirit living in and through them. God, we're so thankful for the time that you have given us to allow us to, to work alongside one another. And God, even though they will not be working here, that God, we know they'll still be with us, heart and soul, continuing to try to reach people for you in the different ways that you've, you've gifted us. So God, we thank you for them. We thank you for their hearts. And we just pray that you um, take them to the, the, to the next place that they need to be able to go. Give them clarity, God. Um, we're so thankful for how you utilize each and every one of us. God, whether that's in a staff role, whether that's as a connect group leader, or whether that's as a greeter at the door, or whether that's somebody clicking buttons on a computer to guide people in worship. God, we're thankful for how you utilize us in the different ways that you've equipped us and just pray that you continue to equip more and more people to be used by you. So Father, we just love you, God, and we thank you. And we lift all this up in your son's name. Amen. Well, thank you all so, so much.